Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Tyler. I am one of the pastors to students here at North Shore. And this is a month that has five Sundays in it. So we've been journeying for a couple years um, doing this thing called Student Infusion, where we uh, partner generations in what we do here. And so your bulletin may have been handed to you by somebody a bit younger this morning. Uh, We've got some uh, faces on our worship team that have come up through our student ministry and and things like that. Sometimes um, we have different roles and um, ways that we participate in worship, uh, but we're excited to continue to just bring us all together as we worship the same uh, Lord Jesus Christ this morning. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back. I, I have not been up here in a really long time. Uh, part of that is because we had a new baby a couple weeks ago, so I haven't been here for a couple weeks. She's somewhere, maybe. There we go. Uh, baby Reagan um, is actually here this morning. Reagan, if you want to stand up and wave, that would be awesome. All right. <laughs> Uh, hey, it's October 31st, and I didn't know what to dress up as, so I came tired <laughs> this morning. But we're having a good time. Um, two-year-old and a newborn is definitely an experience, um, but we are doing our best. My wife is a champ, running on a couple hours of sleep every night. Uh, what else? I haven't done this in a while. I have a baby, like taking candy from a baby. Candy. Halloween. Boom. We did it. All right. Here we go. Uh, Scott has a lot of really good ideas, uh, and one of them this year, since it's, it's the day, it's Sunday, uh, was to talk about Halloween, and what, for, for us to think a bit about how you, a perfectly reasonable person, should treat, see what I did there, uh, a holiday that has, in some ways, gotten kind of weird, so let's, let's, uh, let's start with this for a second. Um, I, I believe strongly, this is one of my uh, passions, that when we come together as Christians, um, the word of God should drive all that we do um, in all the different ministries. Worship ministry um, takes place in so many different facets in our lives and on a Sunday um, and, and to just get up and spout ideas about what you should or shouldn't do on any given day without being backed by the word of God, um, I think would be wrong. And so there are some ideas that for the last couple weeks um, I've been praying have been shaped in me by God's scripture. And so in your notes, um, just for me to kind of ground this in a couple places and make sense, we're spending time in three different passages that I think inform a conversation about what, what you and I do living in a, a world that at times is at best neutral and at worst adamantly opposed to genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so if you do want one of uh, these Bibles, you can raise your hand and our ushers will get that to you. So to start off, we're going to open those, if you've got your phone or whatever you use to read, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Um, and I'll let you know, I am actually going to be in the NIV this morning. Um, there were a couple of these thoughts, particularly this one in 2 Corinthians 4, where it comes in the middle of a very long paragraph. Um, and the, the way that uh, this got translated um, for the verses that we're using just to have time was a lot easier to read in NIV. And, and as Paul unloads this idea of mortal bodies, um, you can see side by side if you have one of the ESVs, but I'll be in NIV um, for just some readability here. So before we jump into that passage, I want to take us all the way back to the beginning of Halloween. Not when trick-or-treating started, not costumes, things like that, but way, way back about 1,290 years ago. And the followers of Jesus Christ back then did not live in the world that you and I lived in with homeowners associations and religious liberties uh, and separation of church and state, things like that. It was a very different world, especially at certain points in the Roman Empire, which was most of the world, where to be a Christian was to assume risk. Um, I brought one picture uh, this morning. This is just a sample. This is as uh, specific as I wanted to get. Um, but just a picture of, of what at times the world was like at different points in the Christian journey. There was a very real context of martyrs, martyrdom, people who were put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. It was something that could come in waves. It, could, it was something that could come at any moment. And there was, a, a, for the Christian, significant periods of their life where to be a Christian meant you were taking your life into your own hands in order to follow Jesus, in order to gain something. Um, you guys can blank that for right now. And so on around 730, 740 A.D., what the church did was combine a bunch of days into one. So growing throughout the life of the church and just the history of Christian people, there, there started popping up on the calendar different days to remember Christians who had died for their faith. Those who had gone before, those who had been faithful until the very end, where at one point somebody said, are you a Christian? If you say yes, something bad will happen. And they said yes. And there were these days to remember saints and to remember martyrs, to honor those who had said, Jesus Christ is worth it even unto death. Now what happened was after several dozen and hundreds of years, the calendar actually started getting kind of full. It's an incredible history and tradition that we have as a church. And so in the early 700s, um, they combined, the church combined, all of those days to remember martyrs into one. They put it on November 1st. It's All Saints Day. October 31st then became All Saints Eve. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name, hallowed. That's an old English word that just means holy. It's a different translation of that. Hallowed Eve, Holy Eve. It was the night before All Saints Day. 
So this time when the church, this thing that started amazing was this, this opportunity to celebrate those who had lived a life faithful to Jesus Christ. And they put it on November 1st and began celebrating in different ways on October 31st. This was a time to remember and be encouraged by the stories of people who follow Jesus with their whole heart. So imagine those people in that context looking towards their heroes, real people who had inspired them with real life stories, knowing the difficulty of their shared journey, reading a passage such as this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Every day, the life of a Christian is radically different because of a death. If there were no death of Jesus Christ, there would be also no life that Jesus Christ gives. There would be no hope to the life of the Christian. They would be the same as everyone else, without a hope and without a promise of future life, without an eternal destiny. We cannot get away from the crucified Jesus Christ, and we don't want to. Because as much as we represent that Jesus died, we also represent that Jesus is alive and gives life. Not only that, but we get to show that to people. That was written for us in verse 10. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So we get to make known the death and life of Jesus Christ in us. And Paul writes it again in verse 11. Right? We are given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. We are alive. We face death. Not things like death. We face death for the sake of Christ so that the life that only Christ gives can be seen clearly in you. Not in a vague sense, not in a general plural sense, like you, the general church or Christians at large, in you, in your person, in your life, in your heart and soul, people can see the power and the truth of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So I was, I was wondering, reading these verses, for us in our context, is it, is it even true? Is it actually true that you and I face death for the sake of Jesus Christ? Because our context is quite different. I asked my students last week, how many of you know anyone who has been uh, put to death because they are a Christian? Nobody raised their hand. Not a thing for us in this part of the world right now. Other times, yes. Other parts of the world, yes. But us, how is it that you and I face death for the sake of Christ? I think a couple things. The fact that none of us gets out of here alive is a 
motivator. There is something unique in the Christian who has a different perspective on the life that they live. One of the things that our culture tends to do with the idea of death is to ignore it or avoid it. And that's part of the problem with a day like this is we're so unfamiliar that when there's this opportunity to kind of go, go crazy with your decorations, we have this sort of death-obsessed day. In part because we're afraid of it. And we're unfamiliar with it. And it's strange to us. And there's something unique in the Christian who has truly embraced what the gospel means for them. Who has embraced that as they grow and as they age, instead of holding tighter and tighter into this life, there's an open-handedness approaching the next life. And there's an open-handedness approaching how much Jesus Christ can I leave behind? What is my legacy knowing that Jesus has bought for me this life and the next? And there's another thing that's just true for every single one of us. As Jesus Christ says in his Gospels multiple times, um, that we must die to ourselves. And there's this very real metaphor that, that God has orchestrated the world in such that some things die in order to create more life. And we are told to do that with certain parts of who we are, with our sinful nature, with things that we struggle with that keep us from worshiping him. We are told to to experience pain in a way that we put some part of us to death because it means a greater relationship and a greater ability to follow and worship Jesus Christ. In In those types of scenarios, the strength of Jesus Christ can be seen so clearly in the life of a Christian because it's just so different than the rest of the world. Now, this was supposed to be about Halloween. Uh, This is my take on why Halloween even exists. Because the Christian has a different perspective on life and death. So much so that there was a day to celebrate those who lived it well. Um, But beyond that, maybe you're like, okay, this is cool, this is some good Bible stuff, but uh, my neighbor down the street could feed an entire animal shelter with the bones that are all over their front yard right now. What am I supposed to do with the day that we have now, 2021? What does that have to do with today? Good point. This takes us to our second passage, Romans chapter 14. Halloween is, uh, struggled with this word, polarizing, I don't know, contentious, weird, (laughs) because of Jesus. Who's ever been to like a family gathering or any kind of new uh, household? You go to to do an event with some people that you're not super familiar with and they invite you into something that is culturally weird for you. Anybody ever have that? You go somewhere, right? And like the first time you're ever asked to take your shoes and socks off, I don't know, whatever it is, mine was spam. I remember in middle school, I, I had an overnighter at my friend's house and we had a great time. We woke up the next day. I'm like, what's for breakfast? They said spam. I said, ha ha, ha 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 ha. And then they cooked it. 
and we ate it. And I thought they were kidding, but no, as a family, they ate Spam. So that was exciting. I don't even remember. It just was bad. I didn't, I didn't like it. Uh, Romans chapter 14. Speaking of food. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. I'm going to pause right there for a second. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. If ever that verse made you just kind of go, it's the last couple years, right? How many disputable matters have been fought over viciously for a little while? I'm not going to be the one to try to define Weak faith, strong faith right now. The Bible kind of does that for us, points us in that direction. But begin with this starting point. Do not pass judgment, this is the end of verse 1, on disputable matters. This does not mean hold no convictions, which this very passage actually says in a few verses, we'll get to that. But one man's faith allows him to eat everything, and another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I was thinking about this, and I know my example was that of spam, but in this this argument, to to really capture this idea, you and I have to kind of wrap our minds around a topic other than food. We don't get to pick food and say, this is exactly what he's talking about for our day. Um, You know, even if you're gluten-free... It's a little different. Uh, We generally eat whatever we decide to eat. But for these people, it was a massive deal. A massive deal. Imagine the entire history of your family tree. Fruits and vegetables were on the table, but about half of meats were not. And so for hundreds of years, nobody in your family ever ate a good chunk of what is edible. No pig, no rabbit, no great horned owl. I don't know how or why you would try to do that, but it's in your Bible, Leviticus 11. Don't eat one of those. Uh, Then Jesus comes and says, because of my sacrifice and the passing of time and the world in which you are about to go and make disciples, all food is clean for you. That happens for us in Acts chapter 10. Jesus changes the rules. That was difficult for some people to swallow. Really difficult. Thank you. Some people apparently were never able to make that shift. They couldn't do it. Jesus said, all food is clean. And some people said, great, there's still some stuff I'm not going to eat. That's what we're looking at. It was better for them to continue to avoid certain food in faith than to to switch. 
So you and I don't probably get to pick food. We've never had culturally ingrained food laws to that extent. I sure haven't. But there are other things you could pick. This argument, this verse, this passage for us applies to those those things which you either heard about or were personally kept from or, or made a decision for periods of our lives and, and maybe thinking in one way or another it applied to a matter of faith and then later on you're like, well, this is not an essential of salvation and at that point you have to make discernment on what to do with that kind of gray area. Examples, tattoos, alcohol, Voting, how or whether to discipline your kids, huskies or cougars, you know, big things. No, but there's some that have divided families, friendships, churches, whatever. These things that are gray areas. You are allowed to practice culture differently than another follower of Jesus. Even among those who had met Jesus, we're still in Bible times. This is only Romans 14. If they hadn't seen Jesus personally, they're being written to by a guy who had. They probably know people who had seen Jesus personally. They disagree, and that's okay. What you are not permitted to do, according to Scripture, is to make judgments or divisions over those things. So there's a few more verses. I think we can uh, follow up on a couple more here. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So this pivot I find especially interesting because Paul takes it from food to a day on your calendar. <laughs> How convenient for us. Right? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. And I just thought how interesting that, that the argument even came to dates on a calendar, which we still have to this day. Again, slightly different, as they're probably not talking about uh, what holidays to do what on. They're talking about Sabbath. Um, but Paul follows this up with an idea about your conviction in how you will worship the Lord in something like this. And this is why I said at the beginning, doesn't... Just because you don't pass judgment over disputable matters doesn't mean you don't hold convictions. In fact, it says that each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. That is a powerful, powerful personal statement to make that decision. What, what does it look like for you to practice culture and honor Jesus and if you've made that decision, do it well, think through it, let it be part of your lifestyle of worship. How are you going to do things that come our way in a way that honors Jesus? I like at the very end of Romans 14, we don't have it on, on slide, but in verse 20 of Romans 14, Paul writes, Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And again, put 
put whatever it is in there. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of apparently a disputable matter. And then a couple verses later, the very end of the chapter, Romans 14, 22, Paul says, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. The encouragement here is to form your conviction in how you will follow Jesus in a gray area, and that's part of your worship. The Bible says have that. Honor Christ with your conscience, and if it's in line with where God's word is clear, live that out boldly. So my own observation, and primarily in my experience, is Halloween has primarily become about two things. Candy, 25% of all candy in this country is sold like this week. It's for today. Candy and uh, parties with, frankly, not enough clothing. My experience, that's what Halloween has become. The decoration stuff has the same relevance as a bunny does to Easter or an elf does to Christmas. In terms of practicing the day and in what it means, uh, you know, we, we throw things on our houses, we put things in our lawn, but then we say, well, what are you doing for Halloween? Well, I'm going trick-or-treating with my family, completely irrelevant of the fact that there's, uh, you know, a headless pumpkin in your yard, or I'm having a get-together with friends doing whatever you do on Halloween. Some people will not agree with that. And there are elements to the decoration and the vibe of Halloween that will be uncomfortable to people's sensibilities. And as Paul's trying to make this distinction, wherever you land on that, what your conviction is, where you are okay with certain things and where they push up against your ability to worship Jesus, Paul says, have that conviction and live it out. And it's not something to attack another brother or sister for, but it is something to hold seriously and to consider. And the reason that this exists um, is because of our final passage here. We're flipping to the end of the middle of John 17. The reason we even have to have these types of discussions and why you may have a different stance on a holiday like today as somebody else is because of where we live and whom we follow. Oh, and if we didn't um, get the blanks in this last section, just to sum up uh, Romans 14, God's people are encouraged to have a conviction in how they follow Jesus amidst culture, not a judgment on how others follow Jesus amidst culture. I apologize if I missed that. Um, But John, yeah, thank you. John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. It's an incredible three-chapter speech and prayer. And he has for us in John 17, starting in verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Let's just fill in our blanks right now. Uh, A, you are not of the world. Jesus prays for his people, not for his people to be taken out of the world. Jesus was sent into the world. As the Father sent Jesus, likewise Jesus sends us into the world. Kind of helps maybe make some sense when we have these decisions, these holidays, these cultural whatevers that feel very worldly. As this wraps up, I'm talking about Halloween, but I'm also not really talking about Halloween. Jesus is fully aware that you and I are not at home. This is not where we belong. His desire is for us to consider ourselves as sent into that very place that is kind of weird and clashes with our faith and comfort zones today and all the other 364 days. There are a bunch of things that we encounter that make us go, you, and they should because they're opposed to who the creator of the universe is. They are worldly. So what do you do? Embracing everything is the wrong extreme. Shutting your doors permanently is the wrong extreme. Jesus says, you're here, and it feels odd, and that's where I want you to go. There is genuinely a lot of no that Christians need to say in order to follow Jesus. However, sometimes those things that offend, those things that are odd, those things that are different, is where Jesus has asked us to shed light. I think this is one of the reasons why every church that I've ever been part of has had some sort of Halloween alternative. Every church that I've been to has has something that they do on the day, uh, in part because the day has some significance still, Maybe not very much, but there's some. And there's this hardwired in our DNA desire for Christians to be together, to gather, to use our communities and our friendships and our relationships as light for the world. And there are far more people out there than just professing Christians who also don't want some of the crazy stuff associated with our world but God has sent us. So let me just offer like North Shore's example as just that, an example. Pat and Sandy and, and everyone involved have worked on these things called Harvest Hangouts, right? And we've been uh, promoting those for a month. An opportunity to be uh, in hangouts all over our cities, right? Come, gather sort of a block party, to get to know each other, to get to know your neighbors, to be available on a night when, frankly, we do something that's pretty much gone, which is to go knock on strangers' doors or knock on anybody's door, really. (laughs) But that happens. People are out. What do you, the representation of Jesus Christ, do with something like that? And so we have an opportunity as a church to gather and represent, but there are so many others. And we are asked to consider how to do this 
essentially with our lives every time we come up against something of the world. Whatever you decide to do, knowing that Jesus is Lord over death and life, have a conviction in how you will navigate culture in a way that allows you to honor Jesus and in a way that sheds light on a world who desperately needs it. How we are sent to use discernment in a dark place. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for um, the light that you are. That whenever there are questions, we may always turn back and look to you. We thank you for your example. Um, Not just of how to live, but we thank you for your ultimate example of going to the cross for us. Uh, That changes everything. The fact that you are alive shapes the way that we live every day. It shapes the way that we approach life. And we ask that you would help us do that. It is difficult. It is uncomfortable. And God, just let us be light. In your name we pray.